Praise the Lord. Anybody glad you serve a God who's more than enough? Amen. Come on, if he's your everything, I need you to clap your hands. Let's sing and celebrate Jesus in this place. My strength, whenever I am weak, my hope, everything I need is more than life to me. Jesus is my First of all, I bring greetings. Um, in Africa, we don't carry, when we go up country, we don't just carry arrowroots and potatoes and bananas and mursik. We also come with greetings from up country. Uh, so last week, I was privileged to be preaching at uh, the Christian Union at Machakos University, and I bring their greetings. So please receive them, yeah, as far as that goes. Um, it's an honor to be here. Um, and today, we are reading from the book of Hebrews chapter nine last week linda did a wonderful job in preaching from hebrews chapter eight and she combined the various aspects that were there which were obedience to god's word the fact that we should not walk in condemnation and the third thing that that obedience uh, means obedience that cannot be compromised today we read from hebrews chapter nine um uh, and 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 uh, 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 I'd like perhaps to, uh, because I struggled yesterday, what shall we title um, this sermon? I'll tell you in a bit about what it is. But I'll ask that we just open Hebrews chapter 9 and read together. We will read all 28 verses uh, together. So please allow me as we go through this, um, um, uh, uh, this portion of scripture. Now this is how it goes, uh, NIV version. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the golden covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, iron staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he had offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the, all my Kenyans in the house, conscience, conscience of the worshiper. They were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that were already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of the creation. He did not enter by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially and clean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, 
who through the eternal spirit offered, this word for people with Ugandan in-laws, offered himself unblemished to God. Cleanse again our consciences, Kenyans, consciences, from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is a mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. Um, um, while the one who made it is living. Um, this is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had com com proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in the ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of, again, those with Ugandan in-laws, himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Let us say a word of prayer even as we uh, dive into this scripture. Lord, we thank you that love is a person. We thank you that you are love. And even as we look through this narration, may you quicken our hearts to understand what you are speaking to us. For it is in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Today's sermon is titled, Love is a person. Love is a person. Alright? If it were a movie, it would be love is a person looking at this starring Jesus Christ featuring the high priest of the Old Testament also featuring, uh, I think we've talked about goats and calves, so Mbuzi the goat and Ngombe the calf as far as that goes. Alright? Um, and of course produced by the writer of the book of Hebrews. Love is a person. Um, a fascinating thing, and uh, just picking up from um, where uh, Linda uh, left off uh, from last week, is the aspect of Old Testament interplaying with New Testament as far as um, this scripture goes. When you read all the way from verse 1 all the way to verse 10, it talks about the practices of the Old Testament. It talks about the high priest. It talks about the high priest going into the most holy place. 
It talks about the high priest offering blood for himself and for the people only once a year. But it is very interesting that in verse 5, the writer of Hebrews actually disqualifies too much conversation on this. Because it says, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. What things are, is he talking about? He's talking about the physical tabernacle. He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant, which he describes in some detail and says that there were even things inside the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, for those of you who may have read um, parts of the Old Testament, there was even a section about some Israelites who were overly curious and when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to them, they began opening it and looking into inside there and they were actually struck dead along the way. But he's talking about this Ark of the Covenant as a physical representation of what is heavenly. He talks about the high priest, again, a physical person, all right, as representative of something that is heavenly. He also speaks about laws and regulations, which are, again, man-made, but are also imperfect in meeting the ultimate goal of salvation of mankind. A word that is repeatedly used is outward. The outward appearance. Outward cleanliness. Things that you can see with your eyes. Now, I'd like to give a medical analogy. Alright? Um, if somebody is unwell, if they have a growth um, or they have um, um, something that urgently requires to be attended to inside their body. Uh, there's a, uh, maybe something to do with their appendix. It has burst and that kind of thing. There is a medical protocol. There are procedures that are followed to heal or to actually attend to that person. So they'll have a medical team. You'll go into the ward. Um, they'll uh, open you up. They'll take whatever it is that needs to be taken out. And then they'll sew you together. Now, a very interesting thing, that same person, all right, if he has something like a grudge, all right, grudge, grudge, like I have something against Pastor D, eh? I mean, we, we, we have issues, all right, the young ones will say we have beef, okay, we have a problem, okay, all right, we have veal, something like that, some meat, all that kind of thing, we have a problem. There is no medical protocol to evacuate grudges from inside you. There is none. Whether it is a colonoscopy, Alex, there's a colonoscopy, there's the, uh, the, 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 there are a number of scopies. There is none that is able to evacuate that from you. And the interesting thing, when you talk to doctors, they will tell you that the person who goes in um, with, with, with anger, with grudges and that kind of thing, unless they use that opportunity to reflect and think through how they can change their ways, they will wake up with the same anxieties. Um, I, I, I remember a narration of uh, somebody who was quite wealthy, and they were just doing a routine procedure, just checking him out. So um, as he was going into anesthesia, this is now, um, he's been given the drugs that will help him to sleep. The man was frantic because he was thinking about his property there. There was rent that had not been paid here. There was this asset he hadn't sorted out. Um, and he goes through the process, and waking up, it's almost like he picked up from where he had left off. Almost as if it was a continuum. 
this scripture tells us something of that kind. That it is not possible for those things that were earthly to attend to the things that are heavenly. People say that man is a body with a soul inside it. Actually, no. Man is a soul inside a body for a time. Alright? Man is a soul in a body for a time. And a lot of these regulations that Moses gave were to deal with the outward, were to deal with observances, were to deal with blood over your physical body, but had no capacity whatsoever to deal with the inside of the individual. So he says in verse 9, sorry, in verse, uh, actually he says in verse uh, uh, 7, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Verse 8, the Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying there is that what was called the most holy place was not the most holy place. Because verse 8, it says that the Holy Spirit was doing this to show that the most holy place had not been disclosed as yet, up to that point. And then interestingly, in verse 9, he then now moves to say, this is an illustration for the present. It is an illustration, almost an analogy that is used to make us understand that physical is not the be-all and end-all. There is something beyond the physical. And I'd like to start from the blood of Christ, which we are introduced to in verse 11. Because it says, when Christ came as high priest, all the things that are already here, the, he went through the great and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. See, on the one hand, you have a high priest, a high priest who is imperfect himself, who enters only once every year, who is only able to make sacrifices for himself and of those um, whom he represents, and it is only through the blood of calves and goats that he is making the sacrifice. And this is compared with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a high priest. A high priest without sin. A high priest who enters by the blood of himself. Not of the blood of calves or of goats, but he enters through his own blood. And a high priest who delivers a reward that is secured once and is for eternity. For the high priest, there'd always be a handover because it was felt like sin would continue from generation to generation. So you'd have the high priest of this generation. When he passes on, we appoint another high priest. But Christ... Christ has come in as a high priest for all times. One without sin and who walks out with redemption that will not need to be renewed every year 
but that is once and for all. He walks out of the heavenly tabernacle, not with a one-year forgiveness of sins. You know, the validity period, sometimes you get messages from mobile telecommunications providers saying that your SMS um, bundle is running out. No, it wasn't limited. It was limitless. But just going back, because I talked about him walking out of the heavenly tabernacle. No, he doesn't walk out of the heavenly tabernacle. He actually perfects the heavenly tabernacle. Now, for a lot of us, because this is written in the Jewish um, context. But we come from cultural context. And yesterday evening as I prepared, I was reading about the various practices amongst the people um, of Kenya, as an example. Um, and and I, I look, for example, at uh, uh, the Kalenjin uh, community. Um, and the Kalenjin community have somebody called Cheptalel. Uh, and, and Cheptalel apparently is one of uh, uh, those, uh, the people who, when there was a, a drought, apparently it was a lady, and this is uh, a story, um, uh, there was a drought, and uh, uh, she needed to go and offer herself up. Um, so she goes to the river, and she's supposed to be sacrificed, um, and thunder comes down, and is supposed to kill her, but she's protected by somebody. But the idea is that she was a sacrifice for the wider community, all right? You look at um, the practices, say, amongst, um, um, I think I've heard about uh, Teroburu, for example, where I understand Buru has something to do with ashes and that kind of thing. And coincidentally, the word ashes is used here in Hafers and that kind of thing. And it was almost like a practice um, to, to sacrifice, to ward away evil spirits, uh, to take away things that were bad from the community. I am using these as illustrations, not to say necessarily that they are true, but I am using them to show the imperfection of men. Because all of these would have their limitation. Amongst the Meru people, for example, they believed there was somebody who um, uh, they would uh, open, him, open him up, uh, they would uh, dissect his body and check his uh, intestines to see whether the time was right uh, as far as that goes. Uh, and, and there's all this in our various cultures about blood shedding, about sacrifice, about somebody standing in between the people and what we understood as God. But I want to say, there is no worthy sacrifice as that given of Jesus Christ. I want to suggest to you, no, I want to tell you and proclaim to you today that the only sacrifice that is worthy, the only sacrifice that endures, the only sacrifice that deals with sin, that deals with our grudges, our bitterness, our anger, is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Why? Why Jesus Christ? For a number of reasons. One, because Jesus is introduced to us or is told to us as somebody who is perfect without sin. Jesus goes into the most holy place and wins the reward by his own blood. Jesus delivers a forgiveness of sins. Jesus delivers an eternal redemption that is not available to 
anyone else. And I tell you once again that it is only Jesus who is able to give that exclusive claim. The one that is only he who is able to say that come to me and I will give you rest. In verse 23, it says, it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence. For Christ does not leave the heavenly sanctuary. He resides in the heavenly sanctuary. He is not like a priest who goes and comes out. He is a high priest who has gone and dwells in the heavenly sanctuary, daily interceding for us. Verse 26. Um, then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared to us for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 27. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. The world that we dwell in is a world that has been overtaken by fear. I mentioned earlier that one of the greatest epidemics that the world is dealing with right now is the epidemic of fear. Not to take away from the seriousness of um, the disease that has been going around the globe and has so far swept away over 12,000 people. Not to take away from the seriousness of that but to point out that every place in this world, people are grappling with fear. Isaac, sorry, um, um, Alex pointed out earlier that um, before when somebody would um, sneeze, we'd say, bless you. More and more likely, if you sneeze, people want to say, isolate you or self-isolate. Move away from the presence of people who seem to be healthy. And yet, we have this thing that scares us being dealt with in a very able way within the scripture. Because it talks about it is ordained for man to die once. There are some exceptions in the Bible. It's talked about Lazarus. Lazarus died twice. But by and large, we die once. And then, judgment. But as against that, and that is what is around us, it is that fear that is around us, the fear of death, and not just the fear of death, the fear of harrowing death. Because of that, we have a solution that is Christ. Because we are told that in the same way that we will die once, and then judgment, Christ will was sacrificed once to take away the sins of all people. And even as we are afraid about death, afraid about disease, 
there is a confidence to be drawn from the sacrifice of Christ that was once and suffices for the sins of all men. But this is also something that has a timer to it because it says just after that and he will appear a second time. That in between that time that he died so that sins would not capture us anymore and the second time of him coming that comma that period there what we are calling the end of the ages is an opportunity for all of us to come to him one of the things that um have been very real during this time i i, I bumped into somebody um in a supermarket and the kind of shopping he had done i i asked him um is this Armageddon? I mean, is this the end? He looked like he was talking for the end of times to go into a bunker and that's it. We will wait uh, and see how the world is. In the midst of that fear, in these times that we are calling the end of the times, the end of ages, which started from when Christ um, was crucified and rose again. In these times that we are calling the end of the ages, there is an opportunity given to us to repent and come to him who is able to bear our sin. And if we do not hear that, it says he will come a second time, but not to bear sins, but rather to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And my question to you this early afternoon is, are you eagerly waiting for him. What shall he bring when he comes? Shall it be judgment over your life or shall it be salvation over your life? That the blood of Christ is sufficient for each and everyone who holds up his hand and says, yes, I am imperfect. I, Lord, I want to come not just under the covering, but under the new dispensation of the heavenly sanctuary. Lord, I want to live under your cover for the rest of my life. I'd like to turn from, uh, to uh, Psalm 91, which has been spoken many times during um, uh, this time of uh, what one would call pestilence um, and challenges. Psalm 91, and this is what he says as the music team comes up. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I'll jump to verse, uh, uh, to verse 5. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midnight. Pastor D, you spoke of this. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. There is an old song that says, Wana baraka wale waombao. For you who are here with us and those who are tuned in to our various channels, you can join with us as we sing that song. And in quiet reflection, for those who have not come to the Lord, we will invite you at this time. 
but for those who have been walking in the Lord, to take that challenge that the fear of the plague is not what you should have. His love will always be my God.